Welcome to What's Next, Hornet Global's podcast that puts members on the mic for thought-provoking, profession-shaping conversations and commentary. Uh, welcome to Hornet Global's podcast channel, What's Next? My name is Sonali Tari, Senior Director of Content Experience with Cornet Global. And in this episode, I'm looking forward to speaking with three forward-thinking thought leaders, um, Benjamin Bader, Eric Narsolis, and Chuck Harthen, about the purpose of place. Um, Before we begin our conversation today, I'd like to ask each of them to give us a little bit of background on who they are and what they do. So, Benjamin, could I ask you to start first, please? Sure, happy to. So I'm Benjamin Bader. I'm the Global Head of Real Estate at Here Technologies. And in that role, I'm in charge of managing and executing on the overall strategy for here. And we have a little bit more than 100 offices in 50 countries. And it's really about providing a safe and productive environment for our employees and our visitors. Uh, I've been here since 2017, but I've been in the industry for more than 25 years. So looking forward to our conversation today. Eric, do you want to go next? Sure. Thanks, Anali. So my name is Eric Narsolis. I'm based out of Chicago. So most of my career has been in strategic sourcing and procurement transformation, both in corporate and in consulting settings. Uh, some background um, before uh, for being with AO Partners. So I, I've been at Exelon Utility, AT Kearney, Alvarez and Marsalis Private Equity Group, and here Technologies. Um, Again, before I went to AO Partners. So here is where actually I met uh, and worked closely with, with Benjamin. So currently I'm the CEO of Sensor Technologies, a business analytics solution for supplier risk monitoring and reporting. So I co-founded this new venture with, with Chuck Hartham of AO Partners, which I will now turn over to introduce himself. Thank you, Eric. Yeah, once again, my name is Chuck Hartham. I am founder and managing director of Advanced Operations Partners, AO Partners for short a consulting firm that I started in late 2005 after working in Carney's global operations practice for about six years. Part of my consulting career, which has spanned over 20 plus years uh, by now, I was a in various operations leadership roles at Bausch & Lomb and Ocean Spray Cranberries. Over the past 15 years since uh, AO Partners' inception, uh, we have evolved into a strategic and operations consulting firm with typically 60 to 80 consultants on the ground. And our focus is really driving complex, high impact performance transformation for our clients, which span all sectors, sizes, and ownership structures. Uh, What's interesting is these operational transformations are often triggered by a merger, a restructuring, a, a change of ownership. And what's relevant here, other factors, including this ongoing and prolonged global epidemic that's forcing many, if not all of our clients, including here technologies, to take a hard look at its future office infrastructure, which is appropriately our topic for today's discussion. Thank you for that. Uh, With that, let's um, dive into our discussion for today. Uh, Benjamin, my first question is for you. Given the current situation, what would you say is the purpose of the office? What do you see as its role? So it's amazing, but this is now literally the question that you know, almost every company is asking and, and answering right now. And I think the, the purpose of the office was, you know, a place to get your work done and meet with clients and, and hold your important materials and your technology. But, you know, that purpose seems to be changing. Uh, and, and to your question and a little bit what Chuck said earlier, 
you know, COVID's been a, an absolute catalyst for this change. And I think now that we're, you know, almost a year into this massive work from home experiment, I think we're seeing companies and employees are starting to rethink this and, and really ask what is the purpose of the office. And some of these old perceptions are being questioned and they should be. And I think in my perspective, there's really two ways to think about this. Uh, you know, number one is, you know, in the pandemic itself, and number two is after. And so, you know, my perspective is, you know, what companies are doing now during COVID is whatever it takes. It's about survival. It's about keeping employees safe. It's minimizing risk. But the more important strategic question, the one we're focusing on during this conversation is what's the purpose of the office after the pandemic? And I have a lot of conversations with peers uh, and specifically within here. I think what we're starting to see is that the purpose of the office may not be the same for each company. Uh, and in fact, you know, you may be actually a different answer within a company based on function or based on geography. And I think what's coming into clarity is that the purpose of the office is really for collaboration and especially at a level or a scale that can't be effectively achieved, you know, by a video conference or an old fashioned phone call. You know, we're talking about whiteboarding sessions or daily standups, you know, for agile organizations, co-coding for software engineers, you know, even just, you know, water cooler chats. And it's not to say that heads down work isn't going to happen in the office anymore, but it's likely not going to be the primary reason to come in. And I think a lot of discussion is going to center around employee experience. You know, what can't employees get from home, you know, or wherever they end up working. And, and with this recent experience of being primarily outside the office for so many months, you know, what are these challenges to being productive and how can the office environment help that? So I think answering that question is really how you're going to lead to what the purpose is. So, you know, just taking into consideration everything that you just said, um, and I know this is, you know, not the first time that we're going to be thinking about this question, but how do you see the demand for office space changing? Is that something that will increasingly impacted by the location of the office itself? And then what should the organization be using its office space for? So uh, two parts of your question, right? The, the answer to the demand part is maybe. <laughs> Um, and that's really going to depend on just how much each company and, and how each company answers these questions, which we just talked about, right, about the purpose of the office. And so, you know, without question, there are going to be some organizations that will ask and answer these questions and determine that they actually do need less space to do what they need to do. And I think one of the fundamental truths of real estate uh, that I certainly know on a daily basis, but I think almost everybody understands is that you know, it's a big cost for almost every company. And it's typically the second or third largest cost, you know, behind personnel. And so every dollar, every euro that you spend on real estate can't be spent on something else. And I think the pandemic has forced companies to make some really tough choices uh, and ruthless prioritization on investments and how they spend their money. And with so much money historically tied up in real estate, you know, there's some companies, especially the ones that are seeing a different need for their workforce, you know, they're going to take advantage of this environment uh, and make changes to their footprint. But I think, you know, very specifically about your question regarding the geography, I'm not so sure that's the big driver of these decisions. I think, um, you know, assuming this, the decisions on how offices and where they are today was based on some other important business objectives. And as long as those objectives aren't changing, I'm not sure where an office is located is going to matter that much. I think a bigger consideration is likely going to be you know, this balance between operational need and this I don't know, X factor, which all, you know, culture. And it's not a secret that companies can save money by getting smaller. But the question is, should they? 
And, and is there really going to be a cost besides you know, the pure dollars and cents in having less space and having fewer people in the office? So the, the answer is certainly that's much harder to measure. And again, I think that answer is going to be a little bit different for everybody. And I think that's an important point to make you know, for this conversation, which I think we'll probably talk about a little bit more. You know, these aren't real estate decisions per se. You know, these are company-wide you know, cultural operational decisions. Now, they have massive real estate implications but they're not really real estate decisions. And I think that, you know, once you can make these broader decisions, you know, then you can start to take a look at what makes sense in terms of changes to a company's footprint. You know, I think, but it, it comes from being the dog or versus the tail uh, and real estate is absolutely not the dog in this case. That's, you know, that's fascinating. I mean, you know, all the different perspectives and just kind of bringing in all these different subject matters that we might not have always thought about um, in terms of uh, corporate real estate. But my next question dovetails nicely with what you were talking about. And my question is for Chuck, which is Benjamin alluded to how these decisions uh, might change in terms of where they're made. So would you say that these decisions might be increasingly made at a higher level and perhaps be incorporated into executive level strategies and policies? Oh, the short answer is is absolutely yes. AO Partners has a wide range of clients. We've got telemedicine and cannabis startups, large public clients and clients and services, healthcare, industrials, and really everything in between, including private equity and family-run businesses. These clients, regardless of their size, industry, geography, ownership structure, are more actively injecting future office location and infrastructure decisions into their strategies at the highest levels of the organization. And oftentimes some of the operational transformation improvement programs that emanate from the executive office are now having to uh, incorporate and make sure the the office location decisions are part of the overall strategy and and executive decisions. Uh, Most of our clients naturally uh, infuse these asset decisions into their processes such as strategic planning. But really what's different here is that many are revisiting their underlying assumptions and analytics that support these strategic decisions at the highest levels of these organizations. And in in many cases, they're actually accelerating these office location and staffing decisions. Oftentimes, it's not just about the corporate and back office functions, even future decisions around strategic placement of manufacturing plants, customer service centers, and other operational assets are really more top of mind for our executive sponsors. The real underlying challenge here is a fundamental and rapid change in our clients' operating models. And how does this create risk, but also create some opportunities when it comes to talent and investment in this corporate office footprint. It's worth noting here that this office footprint, uh, we call it that, but really it is where critical customer and employee services are being performed that have a direct impact and influence on service levels, employee satisfaction and turnover and other performance metrics that in part gauge the success of our executive teams and sponsors. So yes, it is really at the highest levels of many of our clients. And it really does not matter what industry you play in, your ownership structure, uh, where you're located, these decisions are emanating from the highest levels of leadership. 
Thank you, Chuck. You know, this kind of also goes to my next question, which is for Eric. A lot of what corporate real estate does has changed and the, the roles in corporate real estate have changed. How do you see what CRE, HR, IT um, and procurement are doing? How does it fit in here? And what kinds of increased collaboration might we expect to see as we move forward? Absolutely, Sonali. So the function you mentioned certainly play a key role in the design changes and implementation that would be needed right, to execute a new office strategy. Just to echo what Benjamin has mentioned, the corporate real estate certainly has can provide or will provide an outside in and objective reviews to the leadership team, right? So they can leverage other uh, benchmarks, other corporate real estate benchmarks, if you will, best practices to really help the company identify what specific areas that they can learn from, utilize, based on their fit, based on their culture, based on their requirements. So I, to some extent, Benjamin has referenced this in terms of what the, the role of corporate real estate would be in a, in a corporate environment. We've discussed also in the paper, the work from home is a vital part in attracting and retaining talent. So for this, HR can certainly lead the development of a company's new work from home policy. And certainly crafting this policy will require cross collaboration to ensure that it is, it is tailored to a company's specific requirements and culture. I know we, we harp on culture, but we're gonna to continue to harp on that because that is something that needs to be embedded or included as, as companies make decisions around new office strategies. And then on the IT side, so technology certainly has made, work from home has made the communications more seamless through larger bandwidth for video calls and for better collaboration through software as a service or SaaS tools. The IT department certainly has a, a lead role in providing their company's employees with the right set of technology and tools, and also to make sure that they provide the appropriate level and access to work from home technical support. You know, as employees, as we do today, they they work from home. This just ensure that the technical support is available, if you will, at, at whatever times that the employees uh, need them. And then with work from home, companies will need to provide minimum standards employees to set up their home offices. As we mentioned in the paper, there may be subsidies for remote employees for minimum bandwidth requirements. In some cases, childcare. So companies may need to provide remote employees in support with support in setting up their home offices, also including ergonomic requirements, right? So the ergonomic requirements are, if you will, standard that the companies provide in the office setting. So as, as employees work remote, they certainly need to provide some certain standards on ergonomic requirements to their employees. The employer themselves may also set up the ability for employees to conduct remote team building, training, or collaboration. Certainly all of this, right, the, the spending patterns will require, coming back to kind of my, my area of expertise, the procurement organization support to establish preferred contracts with potentially new vendors. One of the things that also the procurement group needs to do is just make sure that uh, they make it easy um, and, and seamless for employees to order, to track, and also to provide support. Um, and procurement at the end will work closely across the different business units and functions to ensure that the standards are established so that there's a set of standards for the employees to either order from, et cetera, so that there isn't a, a proliferation of, of, of if you'll, different items out there. So, so these are, you know, do you, I've talked about all the different function areas. 
where there will be increased collaboration as um, these companies move forward with a new office strategy. So you're basically sort of seeing an amalgamation of operational needs and culture coming together in terms of the decision-making process and sort of influencing all the different roles that CRE, HRIT, and procurement fill in an organization. That's correct. Okay. Um, so I have a last question, which is sort of to all of you. So, you know, whoever wants to respond, please do. What parameters and priorities should companies consider in the near term? So, for example, around revamping existing office space. I'm happy to... Uh... To start and then let the other gentlemen chime in. I mean, as I mentioned earlier, this is likely going to be a different answer for every company. Uh, I think all company, every company right now has one common pain point, which is this broader uncertainty now within the business environment. You know, everybody I speak to, especially all my peers, you know, other heads of real estate, they agree this is a terrible time. It's a really tricky time to be making long term strategic decisions, and especially when it comes to real estate, because real estate is not typically a very flexible or agile thing. You often are making long-term lease commitments, and I appreciate there's new opportunities to add some additional flexibility. But you know, in many cases, when you have significant locations and, uh, and large investments, you, you can't help that. So you have to make these decisions, even with this uncertainty. Uh, I think when you're talking about you know, factors, I mean, one of the biggest ones is this prioritization of investment. I mean, that's a big one. And just really understanding where and, and how to invest and getting the most bang for your buck. Uh, for every dollar that you're going to spend in and around real estate. And it may seem obvious, but, you know, the best way to get data around this is just to simply ask people and, you know, ask people, does the workspace meet your needs today? And what else would you need if you, uh, you know, to be more effective? And again, those answers need to be gathered. Uh, and then, you know, using that data, you can then start to put some plans in place. And to your point, whether it means a redesign of workspace or not, you know, certainly budgets are going to come into play. And there's some companies out there that have you know, close to unlimited resources, God love them. Uh, and those folks can, and quite frankly, they probably should invest a few bucks to pilot some things and see what works. But I think for the vast majority of companies that don't have unlimited budgets, you know, the key is really just to gather as much data as they can, create priorities lists and really, you know, you know your employees better than anybody. You know, let's think about what makes sense. How do we get this value from the modest investment that we're allowed to make? And then implement what you can. Yeah, this is Chuck. Uh, our clients, Initially, when all this started to happen last year around you know, February, March, after about 30, 60 days, I think their push was really around, wow, we can reduce our footprint and probably save some significant cost. And then once they really started revisiting their strategy and some of their underlying assumptions around their location of assets, including their offices, realized, well, maybe we step back a little bit and think more strategically uh, with, you know, are, can we maybe relocate our offices where there's, there's more talent or we're, we're strategically closer to our customers or we can, you know, partner with our suppliers, some of our strategic suppliers better by relocating. So once most of our clients avoided the knee-jerk reaction of a let's close offices and maybe capitalize on some quick bottom line savings, which, which some of them did a little bit here and there, but most of them really sort of stepped back and thought about their, their strategy more fundamentally. In many cases, because their top line was changing, their customers, their products and services were having to shift somewhat in this environment. And then they really uh, strategically focused on, okay, how can we move these 
office locations around to sort of strategically better place ourselves when we come out of this environment. And that's really what I think where the wise decisions are being made now with our clients on thinking more strategically and weighing in and putting less of a factor on do we have some real bottom line cost savings here. This is Eric um, Sonali. So some of the priorities that companies should consider, I just want to reference something that we did include in the paper. You know, obviously everyone is working from home. Most are working from home today, continue to work from home today. But we did provide a, a bit of an example matrix in terms of what companies can can reference or can use to determine the criteria to work from home, right? So it then helps you establish what, what your office space requirements would be going forward. Some of the areas that we reference in there is if the employee functions are transactional analytics or project management in nature, um, certainly they're able to work from home or remotely um, as this function can be done from there, right? So, and it helps you not only on your office footprint, think about that, but as, as well as how you craft your work from home policy, whether you allow employees to work from home not necessarily all the time, but let's say three or four days out of the week and then work remote or work from home two to three, one or two days a week. So those are the kind of priorities, if you will, that they need to think through as they prepare when hopefully the pandemic is behind us. Thank you. Any last minute thoughts or any um, further insights that any of you would like to share? I think just the final point for me is really just, you know, this is a, a really important time, I think. And I think as horrible as the pandemic was, and unfortunately still is, you know, it's given a lot of companies uh, amazing experience that they wouldn't have had otherwise. Uh, and to the extent that they can use these learnings and use the, the data that they're gathering, uh, they've learned probably quite a bit about their internal workforce um, and how to be productive in a potentially very different way than they had before. And so, you know, this data is gonna take a while to get through and a way to process. Um, you, you've always got to balance, especially, you know, for me on the, the corporate real estate side, you know, how do I balance what people tell me they want with what I know they need? Uh, and of course, balance that with not only the tough investment decisions, but also the, you know, the needs and wants of our, our leadership and our corporate culture. You know, all those things aren't always uh, completely aligned. Uh, and to find that balance and still, you know, shoot for the greater good is really the big challenge. So, you know, we'll be looking at that over the next couple of weeks and months and, and likely to be years. We'll try to get it right, of course. Uh, it may not be 100% right day one, but it's that journey and that you know that constant collaboration, that constant feedback loop that I think is really important. So as long as you're continuously connecting with people and acting in their best interest, I think you're gonna end up okay. I love it, positivity and then also listening to people. I think that's a great, great comment. Okay, well, I just wanna take a moment and thank all three of you for participating in this podcast. I think you know you've shared some very interesting and exciting insights. So thank you once again. And, you know, hopefully we'll see you at a later time on a different podcast. Sounds good. Thank you. Our pleasure. Thank you. This concludes this episode of What's Next. Want to record a podcast of your own? Have an idea or point of view you'd like to share? Visit cornetglobal.org to learn more.